from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. If you want to give us a call and join in on our late night uh, national town hall conversation, feel free. The phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, there's a story that I want to get into here. Uh, regarding the something at the Pentagon. There's a few things we're going to get into. We're going to talk about uh, wokeness on campus and, uh, of course, uh, a few other things that are pertinent to the national discourse today, um, as well as uh, the Hunter Biden indictments with a former federal prosecutor in a little bit. And we're going to talk about um, QR codes a little bit later. Those little things when you go to restaurants that are giving you a menu, they give you a little QR code. Uh, apparently those could be more dangerous than you think. So we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about it, but the Pentagon, uh, is now on blast. There is, uh, an insider that's blowing the whistle saying that there's a cyber threat, um, intelligence league, and it's part of a domestic censorship program. This whistleblower is reporting that these revelations come from their involvement in a domestic censorship program that's detailed in uh, some files that were recently disclosed by CTIL, Cyber Threat Intelligence League. Now, the reports are public now, and they're saying that CTIL, previously thought to be an independent entity, was heavily influenced by the government and military personnel. This involvement is way more extensive than anybody thought before, and they're saying that uh, they're using the app Slack to communicate back and forth, and that's how the government is kind of guiding this third-party entity. So just to think about that for a second, right? Right. So it's illegal for the government to actually do spying, uh, even with the Patriot Act and all that stuff, unless they have some sort of warrant or this or that or some sort of reason. So this is suggesting that the Pentagon is hiring these third-party companies and just controlling them the same way they were controlling them um, during COVID, like the uh, social media companies telling them, hey, don't post this, don't post that, do this, do that, including having officials from the government leave the government and then take on prominent roles within these social media companies. I mean, this is a, a grand scale fascism that we're watching here. Just uh, absolutely crazy. Anyway, um, the CTIL Slack channels, specifically those that are tagged for disinformation and law enforcement escalation, uh, reported that they had uh, former FBI employees and Michigan Cyber Command personnel, as well as members of the U.S. Defense Digital Services uh, Group and representatives from at least one European government. The uh, DDS, the Defense Digital Services Group, headquartered at, uh, excuse me, headquartered at the Pentagon and was established back in 2015. And they've been particularly highlighted for their role in these operations. Now, according to the public, the latest whistleblower uh, files from CTIL reveal that the organization worked with both governments and social media companies to censor Americans. Listen to this. The new whistleblower uh, files provide insight into the group's inner workings, which 
they describe as a parallel effort. Neither neither the whistleblower nor anyone else knows what the parallel effort refers to. In these new files, Eric Brogdon, he's a cybersecurity director for a private firm, and he says that they've got to take a look and see what they can get uh, certain um, Facebook users suspended. And uh, the story goes on. It's pretty deep, but apparently you can see the the trend here. The government is hand in glove with private industry, private cybersecurity uh, company uh, or group and uh, known as CTIL. And it's, it's not that public. I mean, it's not that private, right? It's actually public. It's public officials that are calling all the shots here. Very, very interesting. And this is not the first time I've seen this. I just didn't know it happened in every part of the government. I was pretty shocked when I took a job in state government uh, back in 2011. I was shocked to see, not shocked, but really surprised, right, Um, that there were a bunch of nonprofit groups, NGOs, if you will, that the state government in New Jersey worked with. And they would say, oh, yeah, no, I know the CEO there. And I go, why? How do you know all these people? You know, the colleagues I was working with. And they'd say, oh, because they used to work here. And I was like, oh, cool. And I started to notice a trend that everybody that was getting a state contract, everybody that was getting um, a, a, a prominent position in one of the organizations that did a lot of business with the state, all of these people had come from the state. It was government people that went in there. Now, I, I guess I understand if they have the expertise, they're the best hire. Um, not going to poo-poo that idea. But it just seems so interesting to me that, there was just, it seemed like a revolving door. You leave government, you go into private industry and in the social sector, and voila, there you go. And it, it didn't seem like um, there was much room for any competition. And everything, it, like, the fix was in, if you will. And uh, again, I, I took it with a grain of salt. I said, oh, okay, these are probably the best people for the job. Who knows it better than the guy who was just writing the policy on that and then goes to, you know, X, Y, and Z charity or or a nonprofit group, and uh, now they're writing grants to get those same things. Now, members of Congress and maybe some members of state legislatures may not be allowed to get into lobbying activities as soon as they leave, but nobody's stopping the the head of a human services agency, the head of uh, the Department of Health, the head of anything else from leaving and jumping right into a company that can do business with the state, and that doesn't violate anybody's code of ethics. Isn't that interesting? So uh, I saw that in New Jersey, and I just thought, wow, this straight, this state is so corrupt. Uh, and that was right at the beginning there of the uh, Christie administration. But, and I'm not alluding to Christie being part of that corruption. If anything, he tried to reduce it, uh, and reduce the size of government during his time there. So uh, I can't blame him for that. But it was just a normal, commonplace thing. And I, I can only imagine that this is exactly what's happening in Washington, D.C. as well. So... When you, when you hear about it coming out of the uh, Pentagon, you say, oh, my goodness. So now you've got this private company that's run by a bunch of government people and people from foreign governments, and um, they're outside of the government. But they're inside the government, but they're acting like they're outside the government. That is a problem, Houston. We've got a problem. So that's what's going on here. We'll talk about this a little bit more later because it's a pretty uh, in-depth uh, story and there's a lot of good details in it, but a very, very good story. And um, straight ahead, I want to get into a conversation on what's going on on campuses across America. We talk about this pretty frequently, and I think we got to keep beating the drum on this because 
A, you've got kindergartners that are just being taught the wrong things and going astray in the primary grades. Then you've got high schoolers that are being radicalized. And then by the time they get to college, man, it's full-blown PhD in leftism. And um, we're going to dig in on that a little bit, see what's going on there and how that type of radicalization is now changing the face of America, changing the fabric of our nation. So stick with me. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call as well. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. There was a moment during yesterday's congressional hearing on anti-Semitism when I was asked if a call for the genocide of Jewish people on our campus would violate our policies. In that moment, I was focused on our university's longstanding policies aligned with the U.S. Constitution, which say that speech alone is not punishable. I was not focused on, but I should have been the irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate. It's evil, plain and simple. I wanna be clear, a call for genocide of Jewish people is threatening, deeply so. It is intentionally meant to terrify a people who have been subjected to pogroms and hatred for centuries and were the victims of mass genocide in the Holocaust. In my view, it would be harassment or intimidation. For decades, under multiple Penn presidents and consistent with most universities, Penn's policies have been guided by the Constitution and the law. In today's world, where we are seeing signs of hate proliferating across our campus and our world in a way not seen in years, these policies need to be clarified and evaluated. Penn must initiate a serious and careful look at our policies, and Provost Jackson and I will immediately convene a process to do so. As president, I'm committed to a safe, secure, and supportive environment so all members of our community can thrive. We can and we will get this right. All right, America, welcome back. That's Liz McGill. She is the president of the University of Pennsylvania. And what's interesting here is she was in Congress just a couple of days ago testifying, and she made it sound, um, sounded very clear to me that she felt like it was okay to have a genocide of Jews. And this seems to be commonplace, even on social media. I'll see things, and look, I'm not making uh, any case for anything. I don't believe that what's happening in um, Palestine is a a genocide of Palestinians. I don't believe that. I do believe that if you want to call it a genocide of Hamas, I do believe that. Now, can we, um, are mistakes being made? Does the baby get thrown out with the bathwater? I'm going to presume yes, but I don't think that's the intention. And I don't think we should be flippant about it either. But I say all of that to say that this is a, a, a very big deal, right? And nobody should be dying. I think, you know, Trump said it best when they asked him about, you know, Uh, Russia and Ukraine. And he said, 
They need to stop dying. Let's stop them from dying. I thought that was, it was really brilliant. And that's honestly how I feel about this as well. Um, but, you know, easier said than done, right? And I think what's happening is you've got some people that automatically have a, uh, almost like a chip on their shoulder against the Jews and others, vice versa. And one guy's like, oh, yeah, 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 the, these are the bad guys. And the other guy's like, no, 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 those are the bad guys. Uh, ultimately, I think there's a lot, uh, a lot to unpack. Israel was attacked. Israel retaliated. And uh, there's all sorts of rhetoric, rhetoric around that, trying to justify what Hamas did. But at the end of the day, you've got to minimize civilian casualties and whatnot. And why do I say all that? I say that because Liz McGill is the president of Penn. But before that, it was Mara Gay, president of Harvard. All these college presidents are all over the place. They are creating these factories of people that are pro-Hamas, anti-American. And to me, this is uh, the biggest threat to democracy. And that's not just my opinion. That's from an opinion piece on Fox News. And this is where I think the rubber meets the road, right? Listen to this headline here. Government Education Censorship Alliance is the greatest threat to democracy. I believe that. And this alliance uh, is um, of ideological zealots within our government and academia, and it must be dismantled. And we were just talking about that, how how the government is working with certain nonprofits. You've got the government working with within academia and you can see that the consequences, they're dire. So I want to bring in the author of this op-ed, Professor Nick Giordano. He's a fan favorite here on the program. Professor Nick Giordano, host of the PAS Report. Welcome back, sir. Thank you for having me, Rich. You bet, brother. Good to hear your voice. So uh, I want to get uh, into your piece, but I'd like to get your thoughts on on the uh, on President Liz McGill on her uh, reversal from being very uh, kind of uh, sure, yeah, why not, whatever, I didn't say that, to you know having to have a, a full uh, kind of mea culpa on this because I guess there was a lot of pushback. Well, it certainly looked more like a hostage video than anything else. I mean, she was kind of forced <laughs> to do that because of the backlash right. and the pressure. But all, all these people are frauds because it's really not that difficult. If I'm asked the question, is calling for the genocide of an entire group of people, whether Jews or anyone else, is that wrong? Does it cross the line and should it be tolerated? Yes, it's wrong. No, it should not be tolerated. Like, that's not really hard to say, and yet they can't muster up in a congressional hearing to say that out loud. And it really is amazing. What it also amazes me is that you have all these college campuses setting up these anti-Semitic committees to investigate the anti-Semitism. Well, wasn't that the whole point of, of diversity, equity, inclusion? I mean, it wasn't that supposed to root out all this hate and anti-Semitism and racism that's going on. So it, it's all baloney. The college campuses are indoctrination institutes. That's what they become. The, the four-year university systems, the presidents, Basically, you could say whatever you want and bash America all day long. You could bash Jews all day long. You could bash Western civilization all day long. But if you want to protect America, if you want to speak out in favor of America, you got to go to some obscure part of the college campus on a free speech zone. And that's where you get to protest, because if you're holding an American flag, you may trigger someone. But a genocide doesn't trigger people. A truly amazing yeah, you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I remember years ago somebody telling me that American flags or even the Constitution itself were considered on some college campuses to be microaggressions and that these were triggering certain students and they had to create safe spaces and safe zones for these well, students. Well, Rich, once I just have to interrupt you for one second. 
I got to interrupt you because at Campus Reform, we actually did a piece on this. We covered a story where students were handing out pocket constitutions. Administrators Mm -hmm. stopped the students from handing them out, took the pocket constitutions and shredded them because other students were offended. Oh, boy. That's I mean, you laugh at that. It's not funny. I'm laughing at it from the incredulity of, of, of listening to it. I don't know what else to do. It's kind of nervous laughter, but nothing <laughs> funny about it. Like, it, how do how do we, I know how we got here. I guess the real question I'm asking uh, Professor Nick Giordano is, and being that you're in this establishment, right, you're a college professor, do I keep talking about this for the next five years or do I ever get to do a show where I go, well, thankfully, we've dismantled the, the woke left within the college campus community and uh, America's a better place. Does that ever happen? I think we're witnessing it now happening, right? I mean, I think that the reckoning has come to higher education. I warned about it a couple of years ago. It was actually the first piece I wrote for campus reform, that a reckoning is coming to higher education because of self-inflicted wounds. Wounds like we're not really educating students. They're indoctrinating students. They're fostering this anti-Americanism, a deep-seated anti-Americanism in the country. They're not preparing students for the workforce. The colleges are too expensive. They're pumping out degrees that don't translate into real-world careers. And I said, if they don't fix those things, well, we're going to see a major problem. Sooner or later, people are going to come to a realization that the four-year college degree is no longer worth it. Well, a survey just came out last week that showed over 50% of employers are doing away with their four-year degree requirements in 2024. We've seen major companies move away from four-year degree requirements like Google and IBM and Tesla. We've seen states, Virginia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, move away from four-year degree requirements. I don't know what more it's going to take to get the college administrators and the professors on campus to realize that they're destroying themselves, they're destroying their professions, but it's also an embarrassment to people like me because I value our profession. Education is important. And we do need a robust higher education system. We need a robust public education system from kindergarten through 12th grade because that's how we compete in the competitive international world stage. Unfortunately, right. you have ideologues that have hijacked the educational institutions and they're working hand in hand with government. Folks, we're on with Professor Nick Giordano. He is a professor of political science at Suffolk County Community College. He is a higher education fellow at Campus Reform, and he's our guest, and we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. I am uh, Rich Valdez, our guest, Professor Nick Giordano. Don't move a muscle. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen.
Your institution is one of many that has responded to incidents between pro-Israel and pro-Palestine groups. Many college campuses have been grappling with their responses to prevent anti-Semitism, to prevent Islamophobia and other forms of hate, while also making sure that every student feels safe to express their thoughts in accordance with the principles of free speech and to engage in the idea of critical thought on college campuses. As you continue to hear the discussions happening in Congress and elsewhere on all of the things that go into these um, campus discussions, uh, they're talking about anti-Semitism, Islamophobia. That was uh, Pramila Jayapal in Congress uh, saying this has been going on for a long time because obviously trying to defend her own anti-Semitism. But it goes beyond anti-Semitism and and Islamophobia. It goes into anti-Americanism. And uh, honestly, in my opinion, uh, kind of like a, a self-hating uh, culture of, of Western civilization that is uh, permeating the college campus. And um, our guest, Professor Nick Giordano, has got a really good piece on, on overall on how this is really destroying the fabric of uh, our republic. Uh, Nick Giordano, welcome back. I want you to continue walking us through this piece where we left off. You were telling us that it's this uh, censorship that's really the crux of it. It is. It's a huge part of it because what, what's become is we're seeing the lines being blurred between government, higher education, big tech, the media, and it's all being blurred into one to push a political agenda. Now, all these things were supposed to be independent. Unfortunately, what's happened is you have higher education serving as a conduit to silence and censor the American people's voices. Uh, they were the ones that worked hand in hand with the government in 2020, right prior to the election, we saw people like uh, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, who you had on the show. He's someone that got censored heavily. Dr. Scott Atlas has gotten censored. And former President Trump has gotten censored. And it was through Stanford's Election Integrity Partnership with the University of Washington. Now, prior to Jim Jordan's report, Congressman Jim Jordan's report, it was told that Stanford was the one that set this up. But we're really learning it was actually set up by the Department of Homeland Security. And Homeland Security would basically flag posts, send it to the Stanford and the University of Washington in their election integrity partnership. And then it would be the higher education institutions that would reach out to Twitter and Facebook and the other uh, social media companies and flag those posts to be censored. And it would result in Americans either getting their accounts suspended, their, their posts being ghosted so they couldn't be seen, they were shadow banned, some even got kicked off. But this is just one program of many, and that's what people aren't seeing. They think it's about censorship, but it's not. It's about controlling human behavior. It's about controlling our thoughts and opinions. That's the danger of this, because we see multiple programs, tens of millions of dollars is being funneled from the government to higher education institutions to build out censorship programs. And it goes to what the CISA DHS director said. She said, generously stated publicly that in order to protect our national security, we need to start protecting cognitive infrastructure. Now, when we talk about cognitive infrastructure, cognitive is the way people think. It's our thoughts and opinions. Right. So that's the ultimate goal. That's the end result they want to get to. 
Now, what she wants to do is extraordinarily dangerous because she wants to label cognitive infrastructure inside critical infrastructure protection, which gives the government a whole nother level of tools in order to manipulate our behaviors. And when you look at 2021, June of 2021, the Biden administration released the National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism. If you read through that document, it states that those expressing anti-government or anti-American sentiment can be potential domestic terrorists. Well, what is anti-government sentiment? What is anti-authority sentiment? If you Mm -hmm. criticize government, if you criticize their policies, that's where you can get yourself into the government's crosshairs. That's the danger, and they leave it so vague. See, when I was in emergency management and homeland security, we called them violent anti-government extremists or violent anti-authority extremists. What they've done under the Biden administration, they dropped the word violent, and they trained changed extremists to sentiment, lowering the threshold to the bare minimum. And so that's where you see this is headed. And in this national strategy, it talks about the partnerships, that you're going to have outside institutions serving as the government's eyes and ears. See, the government does have the Constitution. We still have that in effect. However, if you start to use outside independent organizations or institutions, Well, now you're figuring out a way to circumvent our Constitution. That's exactly what they've done. Every American should be frightened about this. I agree with you 100 percent. I think this is kind of crazy. And I feel like that's it, right? 15 minutes on the radio, you know, one or two articles uh, on on the news or on a news website. And then that's it. Why isn't there more of a, of an outrage here? Is it because the media is controlled or people just honestly don't care? Or is it that there's no expectation for the government not to be involved in everything? I, I think a big part of the problem is everyone views, anytime we hear about these programs, everyone views them as separate and apart from each other. There's no one that's really putting the pieces together, stating and showing that there's a nexus, that all these programs are one and the same, designed to do the same thing, and what the end result is. And I think that's part of our problem because it's huge. I mean, you know, when we look at it, remember the Disinformation Governance Board and the outrage people had when they heard it because it's so easy to understand. Oh, my God, it's a ministry of truth. So I got three words that I could use to capture people's attention. Here, it's I have to pick apart all these different programs, put it together and try and explain it. It's not that easy to do. And then there's a lot of people that just focus on the censorship aspect without recognizing that there is a goal, that there's a reason for censorship. There's a reason that it's about controlling what you could see, what you could hear and what you could say. It's not just about censorship. It's about controlling behavior. And I think that's the bigger picture that most people are missing. I agree with that 100%. Folks, we're having a discussion with uh, Professor Nick Giordano. He's the host of the PAS Report podcast. If you're not subscribed to that, you're missing out. It's free, and it's an excellent program. And, of course, you want to um, check out his op-eds that are available on Fox News, New York Post, other outlets. And he is the uh, Campus Reform Higher Higher Education Fellow, in addition to being a professor at uh, the uh, Suffolk Community College in New York. So we're going to... Keep with him for another segment and uh, put a pin in all of this stuff. I'm going to give you the phone number in case you guys want to join in before he's gone. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at 
night with Rich Valdez. America. Welcome back. We continue our discussion with Professor Nick Giordano, and we're discussing not the rise, but the the permanence, it seems, of anti-Americanism in college campuses, in college classrooms, and even in the literature that they disseminate to students. Professor Giordano, what say you? Oh, Rich, unfortunately, it starts at such a young age. It starts long before college now. Mm -hmm. And that's the crazy part. It's infiltrated every aspect of education. I was just having a conversation with someone today. The child's in kindergarten. And they said, oh, your child's going to receive lessons in STEM. And he's like, great, STEM, right? Science, technology, engineering, mathematics. You know, we, we want that, right? Well, the lesson turned out to be how women and minorities have been disenfranchised in the STEM field and how uh, they've been marginalized, that they can't get STEM positions. So it wasn't a lesson on STEM. It was a lesson on race. That's what it really came down to. And that's how nefarious this movement is, this pushes. It's designed to look at, at every single individual as part of a different tribe. And they foster this idea that America is this horrible land, this horrible country, this horrible place that was founded on slavery and evil, and there's only racism and discrimination that takes place. Well, you're starting that in kindergarten. Imagine by the time they get to college how their minds are going to be shaped and formed and their perceptions of America are built throughout that 13-year process. And it really is dangerous over the long term. The worst part is it's not like they're even really learning. If we look at the proficiency levels, they're at historic lows. Uh, The proficiency levels throughout the country, students are not up to where they should be. And yet there's no red flags going on. There's no alarm bells going on to fix the, the learning loss that occurred, particularly during COVID. Instead, they keep marching forward with this anti-American curriculum that they're pumping out to the kids. And it's going to have, it's already having a detrimental impact. We are seeing the results of it. And if we don't fix it, it's going to be a lot worse. And we have to fix it because we need a robust public education system. Conservatives and Republicans love to say homeschool or send your kids to private school. That's great. But here's the problem. The majority of kids are going to be going through a public education system. And you could give your child the best education in the world. You could homeschool them. You could give them private school. But if everything collapses, well, then what's that education really worth? And that's where we're headed, because the decline in education is the decline of a nation. How do we fix this? Because it doesn't seem like it's getting better. It's not getting better. But the good news is that the solutions are easy. We just have to have the will to actually do it. So the first thing we need to do. Instead of lowering standards on a constant basis because students aren't meeting proficiency levels, any government official, any education official that doesn't have faith in the student body that they could actually learn and they could compete, 
Well, then they need to go, right? I mean, we need standards. We should have expectations. The Pygmalion effect is real. When teachers have high expectations, students tend to perform better. So when our administrators don't have faith in the student body, we need to get them fired immediately. But we also need to strengthen the curriculums. We need a robust American curriculum, one that instills American values and principles, one that actually teaches real American history, that not all the founding fathers were slave owners, that at the Constitutional Convention, two-thirds of the founding fathers either didn't have slaves or had slaves, freed their slaves and renounced slavery, or they freed their slaves upon their death. Our, Our history is complicated. They try and make it as if it's black and white, but no, it's not. It's extraordinarily complicated. We have to teach that. We have to teach students how to think critically, how to question things, how to push back and how to problem solve when they need to. Those are the skills we need to give students, how to write. So we could change the curriculums. Again, that's not that hard to do. And we have to look at school choice. I think that's essential. And it's not that we take money from public schools and just give it to private schools. With school choice, if your school is failing in your district, well, you could send your kid to the public school in the neighboring district that may be doing a lot better. Those are the ways that you actually fix the problem. It's not a money issue. The schools have plenty of money. We spend more on education than nearly every country combined if you count kindergarten throughout college. So the money is not the issue. It, it's the, the rot that has taken place within the education system that has led to the cultural rot that we're seeing throughout our society. That's it's 100% true, and I think it's um, not just changing the curriculum, but really maybe adding to the curriculum in, in lower grades so that kids are born with a, not born, but early on in their education are introduced with this concept of uh, loving their country and understanding who, what America really is. This way, they, it, it, they're not informed by Instagram or TikTok and, and learn to hate America before well, well, not only that. I mean, you see that the, the illegal immigration crisis that's going on. We see the, the migra- migration process, and you have all these new students in these schools. Imagine you go on this you know, thousand-mile journey. You come to a country, and you're learning in the schools that the country you came to is, is this horrible place. How, how are these people ever going to get a loyalty towards the United States? Like, we've destroyed our assimilation process. And it's suicidal, and that's what the West is doing. And it's not just the United States. It's a lot of Western countries. They put in these policies in, and it's national suicide if we continue with them. I agree with that 100%. Professor Nick Giordano, let everybody know how they can follow you and keep up to speed with the great stuff that you're doing. Everyone could go to PASReport.com or they go to CampusReform.org. Uh, I'm all over there, and you could also just go on any social media platform, type in PAS Report, and you'll see my nice bald head up there. (laughs) All right, Professor Nick Giordano, I hope to see you soon, Um, hopefully sooner rather than later. If not, have a great Christmas. We'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Rich. You bet. Folks, we're going to come back to your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. So in a couple of minutes, we're going to have a discussion on Hunter Biden and his nine felony counts. And again, it's my opinion. He never sees the inside of a jail cell yet. Um, you've got an appeals court that says, no, 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 we're keeping the gag order in place because there's a real hope. The, the, the I'm going to use George W. Bush's line, the strategists, right? The strategery, uh, the, the strategists that are planning on how we win, right? It's, it's been kind of a foregone conclusion that the people that run political campaigns on, I think on both sides, they have figured that the, the least common denominator is who they play to people that are too busy working people who really don't care to follow politics. And they just, you know, they get five minutes of news in their car or while they're waiting at the doctor's office or wherever. And they go with that. And all they want to do is have a video that they could play on loop of Donald Trump being arrested and put in a jail cell, right? As best as they can do it. They already have him in court. They already have a mugshot. This is, I think, going to flood the airwaves come uh, in um, October, November, maybe even before during the campaign ad time of year. And I think that's exactly their plan. And they'll do anything that they can. And when I say they, it's it's a loose collective of people that are working towards a common goal, but not necessarily co-conspiring with one another. These are just people that want to maintain their power. And they realize that Trump is a radical threat to them. Trump is somebody that might want to put them in jail for corruption. Unlike other past politicians that would just say, hey, cut me in on it or put an end to it. Trump is really a threat to so many people, to to the way life is lived in Washington for so many. So I understand why they come at him as hard as they do. But man, it's just interesting to see the way they... uh, this gag order business, the guy's running for president. They've got all sorts of gag orders on him. I mean, that's just incredibly unfair, but I I think that's the goal. The goal is to get the video with him with his hands behind his back. There's a video of Donald Trump right now being uh, escorted out of the courtroom and handcuffs by the New York city sheriffs or whatever, you know, court officers and blah, blah. That's what they want to do. They want that clip, whether it's, it's um, accurate or not, right. Whether it's legit or not. And that is, is the part that I think is so uh, sad about this, that we're literally uh, cutting off our proverbial nose in America to spite our face. That's not good. Ultimately, this is going to come back to bite everybody in in their rear end, you, me, and the Democrats. They want to get rid of Trump right now because they presume they err in thinking that they'll always be in power because that's their goal is to engineer a system where they remain in power forever. But the reality is they may not be in power forever. And all you need is a couple of very, very um, angry people on the other side that are going to say, you know what? I'm no Rich Valdez. He's a wuss. He's a softy. I'm going after every last Democrat I can. We're going to lock him up, throw away the key. You know, kind of the way they treated Trump. And it might just take that to get them to stop playing games with the legal system, using lawfare as warfare. Anyway, we're going to get into the Hunter Biden stuff straight ahead. Uh, 833-482-5337. And, of course, the website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. Richvaldezamericaatnight.com. 
from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program. It's hour number two. If you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the number. And uh, there's a few things that are going on. Of course, I talked about this potential um, domestic censorship program that's coming out of the Pentagon. We'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about cybersecurity. We also see that an appeals court uh, has maintained most of the Trump gag order in the D.C. case. Uh, we also have some um, other uh, more attacks. I think we're up to close to 60 attacks. There might be more than 60. Uh, but uh, there were no casualties in this attack after the U.S. embassy in Baghdad was attacked with rockets. Uh, but we're definitely under attack. And Joe El Baboso Biden is taking no type of action to retaliate, to defend the United States. Uh, which is um, lamentable for sure. And Hunter Biden, he's now facing 17 years in prison, if convicted. And uh, that's one that I just don't think will happen. But we're going to weigh in with some of the experts. I want you to hear uh, what ABC News has to say. Listen to this. Hunter Biden is seeing the consequences of that plea deal falling apart. It's in tatters, and today he stands uh, indicted on three felony counts, and it all stems from the fact that he was addicted to crack cocaine. Uh, according to prosecutors, at one point in 2018, he was using crack cocaine every 15 minutes. And later that year, they claimed that he walked into a gun store in Delaware and filled out a form to buy a Colt revolver. And in that form, he stated that he was not a user of drugs, that he was not addicted to any kind of narcotics. That was not true. Uh, and today he's been charged with those felony counts in relating to in relation to being an illegal possession of a gun, David. This was all a part of the plea deal involving his taxes not paid. And this was a diversion deal by which if he you know, had agreed to that plea deal, he would not have been prosecuted on this gun charge. Uh, now the special counsel continues to investigate uh, his tax situation and his financial dealings abroad. But he, today, he's now indicted on felony gun charges. Okay, so that's Hunter Biden uh, with felony gun charges. Of course, there's also tax charges that are looming against them. I think another six for a total of nine uh, counts on this indictment in California. And uh, what they haven't mentioned is that it does refer to him um, in, in their document as a lobbyist. And lobbyists do have to register for something called FARA, the Foreign Agent Registration Act. And that isn't uh, something that he's done. And there's been talk about them bringing Farah charges against him. So I don't know how this eventually ends up. I think the whole Farah thing is a slap on the wrist for many people. Um, and this is the intention here is to say, OK, we're going to nail him on the on the procedural thing. You know, the failure to register as a foreign agent, the rest of the stuff will figure something out. He'll never see the inside of a jail cell and we'll call it a day. And justice was done. The Biden DOG went after a Biden. 
And um, maybe that's uh, the angle. I think that's the angle. But Hunter Biden says no. He says that this is a witch hunt on him, right? This is a, uh, they're trying to destroy his father's presidency, but it's not about him. Listen to this. They are trying to, in the in in their most uh, illegitimate way, but rational way, they're trying to destroy a presidency. And so it's not about me. In their most base way, what they're trying to do is they're trying to kill me, knowing that it will be a pain greater than my father could be able to handle. Of course, that's Hunter Biden, the first son on the Moby podcast earlier today. Republicans are out to kill him in order to get to his dad. Now, I want to get to the bottom of all of these legal accusations and help us make sense of what's going on with the former chief of the criminal division in New York, Doug Burns. He's been a uh, federal prosecutor. He's been a defense attorney for nearly three decades, more than three decades. And uh, he's a, a good friend of the program. Doug Burns, welcome back, sir. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So um, what, what do you make of all of this? Is this um, is this for real? Is this something we should get excited about or is this more um, more sizzle but no steak? Well, there's a lot of moving parts, seriously. And basically the way I like to do it, Rich, I like to break it down into the legal discussion and then the political discussion, which right, is, because you know, sort a of wise man outside. once told me politics and yeah. law don't mix. That was me. <laughs> so thank you <laughs> for reminding me. But they don't mix. And here's why. Um, I've been in conference rooms for 35-plus years. We'll use this case. Hey, Steve, how are you? Hi, Doug, how are you? What are you working on, Steve? Well, I have this tax case. Tell me about it. Um, well, it's a tax evasion case, a couple counts of evasion, a couple counts of false returns, um, and we put in a couple of misdemeanors, failure to pay, failure to file. How much taxes, Steve? A million four. Wow. That's a pretty big case. Yeah, it is a pretty big case. Matter of fact, I went into Brooklyn. I talked to uh, the chief, you know, deputy U.S. attorney about it. Ba, ba, ba. What do you expect will be the outcome? Ah, defendant will probably get maybe 33 months, 33 to 40 months, something like that. Obviously be ordered to pay back the money. He had this really rich friend, though, who gave him all kinds of boatloads of money, and he paid it back, you know, well after the time of the crime. Oh, okay. Well, that'll mitigate it a little bit in front of the judge. And that's the discussion of a normal day-to-day case without all the political baggage. Now, when you start going into the political baggage, number one point, which I've been making, you know, over and over for months, is that the Attorney General of the United States looked everybody in the face and said that David Weiss had all the authority he needed. He could bring any case he wanted in any jurisdiction. That was just patently false. And what happened was everybody started tap dancing and retracting, and it got very, very confusing. I know you, Rich Valdez, covered it really close. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reality is he did not have the authority because he wanted to bring the case in California. They would not approve it. That was translated into gobbledygook in hearings. Oh, we didn't want to partner with him. That was all nonsense. Okay, they declined to let him go forward. Then, because of the pressure, and you made a good point about the double standards, these people wouldn't be doing any of this unless this double standard argument was resonating, and it is resonating. So now, and you made the key point, 
you know, for a little bit of political cover. You see that the Trump situation isn't political. Look at this. We indicted Hunter Biden. And it just gets more and more complicated because the plea thing had the government and the defense working together. That's unheard of. Supposed to be adversaries. They tried Mm -hmm. to sneak a broad, broad immunization past the judge by putting it in a separate document, not in the plea agreement. I've never once in almost 40 years seen immunization language not in a plea agreement. That's where it always is every single time for 40 years. Tried to sneak it by. It blew up because kudos to the judge who diligently went through the paperwork. Um, And the thing is just, uh, it's a colossal political mess. But I think you're onto something because I don't think um, it's going to end up with any kind of serious outcome for Hunter Biden, quite honestly. Me either. Uh, And again, I I stick with my prediction that the guy never sees the inside of a jail cell. Uh, If he didn't, he was running around with drug dealers and crack and guns and all sorts of stuff. Why is he going to do it now that he's better? (laughs) I think uh, that we missed the boat on that. So ultimately, how do you think this? um, Well, you know what? Let's let's we'll pause here and we'll come back uh, with the follow up on that. Sure. uh, Because there's a couple of things I want to ask and and another clip that I want to play. But I want to remind everybody while with Doug Burns, Doug Burns, uh, former federal prosecutor. He's been there doing uh, the white collar crime, former chief of the criminal division, and uh, has continued his career uh, as a defense attorney. And this guy knows both sides of the fence here. He knows what he's talking about. And we're going to continue our discussion with him. If you have a question or a comment, uh, 833-482-5337 is the number, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We're on with our buddy Doug Burns, former federal prosecutor, uh, defense attorney extraordinaire, decades in the business. Doug Burns, also extraordinarily tall compared to me. I I saw him last night. I did a TV show with Doug Burns about a week ago. If you missed that, it was Wise Guys on Newsmax. It was a really great, robust discussion. And I saw him again last night at the United Nations. For anybody who uh, wasn't there, went to a really good party for uh, Newsmax television. They had their uh, Christmas party and uh, had the honor of going and I bumped into Doug Burns there. And that's when I decided I'm going to twist this guy's arm. We're going to make sure he comes on the radio tomorrow. So Doug Burns, welcome back. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Rich. And it was a great time last night. It's great seeing you. It was. Yeah, likewise. It really was a nice party. And I want to dig into this stuff a little bit. It's a couple of things I want to dig into here. Sure. How do you see this playing out, right? They got these, these nine charges um, in this new indictment. Are all of them something well you know what i I, let me take a breath here there's a matt in moorhead city north carolina he wants to ask a question similar to mine so rather than leaving him on hold i'm going to bring matt into the conversation so he could ask you matt near moorhead city north carolina wtkf matt you're on with doug burns and me thank you rich yes sir i have a great prediction for you 
concerning Hunter Biden. Go for it. I study law. I'm not a lawyer, but I study law. And I know Doug Burns is an expert. So I would like his opinion, if you will. Are you there? On the way the case is going to end up? Okay. This is what's going to happen, in my opinion, my great prediction. He's going to get probation, supervised or not, a fine, a suspended sentence, and maybe forced to pay his taxes back. What is Doug's opinion? Thank you, well, Matt. first of all, let's work backwards a little bit. Um, the taxes, my understanding, have been paid back. He had this wealthy, wealthy benefactor slash friend slash colleague who put up the money, um, and it was paid back. That is a relevant factor in a regular case without you know all kinds of political overtones. Uh, judge is going to say, look, the defendant paid the money back, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we're getting a little ahead of the skis because I'm much more of the Rich Valdez school of thought. I'm not so sure we get anywhere on this case, and I'll tell you why. Number one, you are not, repeat, not going to hear anybody asking for any kind of speedy trial. Um, does that sound familiar? In the Trump cases, everybody's screaming bloody murder, how important speedy trial is um, in all the cases. I've never once, by the way, gentlemen, seen the government ask for a speedy trial because it's the defendant's right, and the defendant often waives it because they think time may help them. So the Hunter case, just right out of the gate in terms of the discussion and Matt's observations, is not going to be moving along at any kind of uh, pace. That's number one. Number two, in political scenarios that are way above my pay grade in all humility, um, do not be surprised one bit if Joe Biden is not reelected to the presidency, that he pardons his son on the way out the door, gentlemen. Okay, so that's another distinct possibility. So, but to your core observation, Matt, I don't disagree. I think that he would uh, get a probationary non-prison sentence. Um, so I agree with you, basically. Thank you, Matt, for that uh, excellent prediction. I think I agree with it, too. And Doug Burns, there's a clip of audio from Hunter, I mean, from his father, um, Joe L. Baboso Biden, the president of the United States, saying, I, I am not going to I'm not going to pardon my son, Hunter. Or maybe it's uh, Karine Jean-Pierre saying the president's not going to do it. But he's on the record saying he's not going to do it. Uh, do you believe him? Do you take him at his word? Uh, no, because politicians, <laughs> you know, again, I'm not being overly cynical or overly negative. But they have a, just a masterful propensity, way more than average people, in my view, um, to, you know, just change their positions all day long. I mean, you could do a highlight reel, but in fairness to Joe Biden, he's been around for 50 years. But you could do a highlight reel, um, as you well know better than me, Rich, of, you know, changed positions by Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? He's terrific on that. All day yeah. long. So. Uh, and, and he lies about half of them. <laughs> Unbelievable. And he can't say, now, by the way, sorry to interrupt you, but hear me out. Yeah. He can't say now, oh, I'm going to pardon him. That's impossible. Vis-a-vis, you know, trying to still maintain that he's viable, you know, in 2024 right. and to get reelected and all of that. But, you know, there's a number of hypotheticals. He could be in an election and lose the election. Well, he, um, could, do, he could also do what, uh, what Nixon did, right? Exactly. I mean, first of all, that's Have right. Have uh, Ford do it. Right, right. Have somebody else do it. But, but the point is... You know, I find it absolutely fascinating, seriously, as I sit here on, uh, I'm getting seen now, December 8th. <laughs> but, you know, seriously, fascinating the way all this is going to play out. Because, 
you know, I think you've made some good predictions, Rich. Um, I think Matt, who just called in, made a pretty sound prediction. Um, you know, so we'll handicap it, obviously. But again, there's going to be a lot of twists and turns. Um, a lot of twists and turns as far as who the candidates are going to be. You know, and I'm not going to get all into that because that's not really my area. But I don't think it's settled at all uh, necessarily who who the candidates are going to be and that type of thing. All right, Doug Burns, and uh, one more question I got for you, because I kind of talked about it before, but um, it, it doesn't seem to be addressed, and maybe you could address it, is the um, the FARA stuff, the Foreign Agent Registration Act, yeah. um, hasn't really been mentioned much here. There's you know some talk that it, there, there are obviously deals that he did in Ukraine with Burisma, uh, with CF, uh, CEFC, the Chinese energy company. There's also work that he did in Romania, and um, none of it. None of it was um, sanctioned under uh, as a as a foreign agent. So I'm wondering, do they do they go after him for this? It seemed like that was a part of what they wanted to do in the original uh, Weiss deal. And uh, then they they said, no, we're not going to do that. Or Weiss said he wasn't going to do it. And I'm just wondering, do you think they bring it again? It's it's a little hard to predict that. But I mean, couple couple of comments about that. Number one. You know, again, back into politics, when it was politically and ideologically in the other direction, nobody was bashful, you know, about bringing FARA charges and so forth. Um, there are viable FARA charges here uh, for the audience, just in simple English. If a person is acting as an agent on behalf of a foreign government, they have to register with a wing of the U.S. Department of Justice. And the law, as you said perfectly, is the foreign foreign, excuse me, Agent Registration Act, popularly known as FARA, and they could clearly do it. I think the tax charges actually are more serious, something, again, that you kind of touched on tonight uh, in passing, and you're right, just so everybody knows uh, that you're absolutely correct. Um, so I think that they went with probably the more serious uh, charge, but at the same time, they could have easily charged them with violating FARA. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Now, Doug Burns, when you're not uh, defending the bad guys that are not bad guys and um, and doing what you do in the legal world, uh, how can people keep up to speed with the stuff that you're doing, uh, whether it be TV, radio, and uh, social media? Yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter, at Doug Burns Law. Um, I'm not, you know, super high profile on it. And I do a lot of television, obviously, Newsmax, Fox News, uh, Fox Live Now, you know, and I do I do podcasts. I've been on with, you know, various top podcasters. So I'm actually pretty busy with the media stuff nowadays. I'm almost semi-retired from practicing law, and I'm Boom. doing much more media, Rich. Outstanding. Well, thanks for being with us, Doug Burns. Have a great holiday. Folks, we're coming right back with you guys straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. Welcome back. Rich Valdez here with you till 1 a.m. Eastern time. And I wanted to get into a couple of different things um, with respect to cybersecurity, something that a lot of us are very accustomed to doing, right? Whether you go to a fancy restaurant or not so fancy restaurant, 
maybe one of those hard to get into restaurants that uh, is BYO and, you know, there's a little menu with a QR code, a bunch of little black squares that you scan with your phone and then you decide, hey, I'm going to, you know, order, um, you know, a bottle of wine or I'm going to order the food because they don't give out menus in many places anymore. Whatever it is, these little QR codes are all over the place. And there's uh, reports out now that there might be more to these little codes than meets the eye. So I want to get to the bottom of that because I think uh, too many of us are, are, you know, kind of accustomed to using them, right? And who wants to get caught out there like that when you're out to dinner? So I want to do that with our guest, Matt Malone. He's director of cybersecurity at Vistrata. They uh, do uh, cybersecurity and uh, they also do training and uh, phishing testing and all that other cool stuff. Matt Malone, welcome, sir. Welcome. Thanks, sir. You bet. Glad to be here. Thank you. Tell us uh, about this uh, QR code um, revelation. This had never occurred to me. I thought it was similar to a barcode and I was just scanning something. I had no idea that there could be some potential danger and somebody could try to steal something from me. How does that work? <laughs> there is a whole lot of danger in a QR code. There, but they're, they can be safe, but they can be dangerous too. Everything in security is a double-edged sword. And like you were mentioning, 94 million people are using QR scanners, right? So it's a, you, you watch Good Morning America, it's all, it's right there. You know, click on the QR code and, uh, you know, go to town. But the problem is, is that scammers have figured out that people are just kind of mindlessly clicking through these things, and they're going to take advantage of that. Right. So inside of that link, that 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 QR code just sends you to a website and that website is now masked. So if you're if you think you're going to, you know, uh, some some restaurant dot com and it's really sending you to scammers dot com, the site wow. may look the same, but but you're actually at the wrong site. So they can be extremely dangerous. A lot of people are putting these things up. They're grabbing a QR code. If you've seen parking meters, me and my wife went tonight to a holiday event, and everything was a QR code. When you uh, got your picture, you know, they, they took a, San, a picture Santa, with Santa, you, you clicked your QR code, you got to share it to your Facebook. Well, if you click that link and it, it takes you to Facebook and asks you to log in, there might be a problem because it could be someone harvesting your Facebook password. Mm. Now they've got now they've got your Facebook password. Chances are you use that at your Google account. You use it at your bank. You use it at other places. So it, they can be very very dangerous. Now again, the the Federal Trade Commission is is kind of putting a warning out that this could be a gateway to identity theft. Um, again, this is the first I'm hearing of it. Tell us, um, ha, is this something that you through your firm have you dealt with this before? People being robbed by QR codes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so we actually, we, we use a system to where, so I have in my job, I have one of two things, right? I'm either helping someone to not get an incident or I'm helping someone through an incident. Right. right. So it's, it's one of those two things. There's oftentimes that, you know, you, you get these phishing attacks and these phishing attacks, I've had customers send, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, through a phishing scam, what was called a business email compromise. And that, you know, likely could have started through a QR code attack because what happens is they, they send you a link, they send you an email or a text to your phone. You've probably seen the scams that have been happening. It's the holidays. They say, hey, your package is not arriving. 
click on this QR code and, and we'll get your package rerouted. Well, as soon as you click on that QR code, it may ask you for things like name, address, username. All of that data is being collected by that scammer. And now you're a target. So you've, you've let the scammer know, hey, look, by the way, my front door's open. I haven't been trained. I'm not really security aware. So, you know, don't worry about me. Just come on in. So th these are things that, you know, you have to you have to really train people. There are good ways to use QR codes and there are bad ways to use QR codes. As I was walking around that festival, I was actually thinking about this interview coming up tonight. Because <laughs> the whole thing was just QR codes right. one right after Everywhere. another. Right. Well, so, I'll never so, look at another QR code the same again. Yeah. Well, you got to trust the source, right? So as I walked into the event, we registered for the event. We downloaded a QR code to our phone. And when I walked up, I handed the, the person a QR code. Now I'm presenting my QR code to them and they scan my ticket. I'm good to go. As I go up to, there was a, a, a Santa Claus, you know, picture thing where you, you take the picture and then you click on the QR code and then you, you can get the picture, right? They didn't ask me for any information. I felt pretty safe about it. It was a, a you know, a, a reputable company that was doing it. But then, you know, you look at the table and the menus, and like you said, you know, you can go to a, a restaurant, and right there on the table, there's just a little QR code. There's not even a menu. So you click on the QR code. Well, how hard would it be for someone to print out their own QR code and stick a sticker over top of that other that thing on the table, right? So now you're starting to get into a little bit more risk. Is, is that a, a safe QR code to, to look on? Mm -hmm. If you're going to look at a menu, probably not. But if it's something where the attacker has what, what they do is called site spidering, but it's where they take an exact copy of a website and they they just mirror it. Now they put it on their own thing. So you may think you're you've paid for dinner, you've even tipped pretty well. Well, really, all you've done is you've tipped the attacker, right? Wow. So now you've you've skipped out on dinner. You haven't paid your bill. You've walked out of the restaurant, and, and at the end of the day, you've just tipped a hacker and given them all your credit card information. So be real careful on those. If you can pay the waitress, pay the waitress, because someone could put a sticker on that table, and, and that could be dangerous. So you have to look at the link, and a lot of times those links are, are what called are called tiny links. And, and that means that it's not going to that particular restaurant. If it's josesrestaurant.com, mm -hmm. and, and you look at the link, and it says – ty dot you know a, a character string that you don't recognize maybe just pay your waitress folks we are on with matt malone uh he is the director of cybersecurity at vistrada and uh, we're discussing the the potential threat of qr codes and a warning from the federal trade commission we're going to continue our discussion on cybersecurity and other trending topics in this area with matt malone straight ahead if you have a question a comment concern feel free to give us a call 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
so glad to be on your show, Rich. It's just an amazing broadcast that I hope the rest of America listens to every day. America at Night with Rich Valdez. So CBS News is reporting that Russian hackers are now being accused of targeting U.S. intelligence community with a spear phishing campaign. Uh, This is coming out of Washington. These Russia-based hackers conducted a sophisticated cyber campaign against American intelligence officials, including contractors at the State and Defense Departments, as part of an international operation that included NATO members and Ukraine. The uh, Justice Department alleged this uh, just yesterday. Uh, The prosecutors are now accusing an officer in Russia's Federal Security Service, the FSB, and another co-defendant of carrying out a spear phishing campaign between October 2016 and October 2022 against current and former employees of the U.S. intelligence community, defense contractors, and energy department facilities. Uh, let's see. Ruslan Petrierko, the FSB officer, and Andrei Steslanovich, uh, who are both part of an organization known as the Callisto Group, allegedly used spoof email accounts that appeared to be from legitimate individuals to trick the victims into providing their login credentials in order to access their email accounts. Now, this is like the the, the training that you have to do at, for many of us that work in corporate uh, companies. Um, you, you get these phishing tests, and I fail them all the time. They're like, no, you check here, look at the HTTP, and it's HTTPS. And it's it's no matter how much training you get, it looks like they're getting uh, our top intelligence people, which is kind of crazy. And uh, these guys... Uh, scammed them for their login credentials in order to access their email accounts. Uh, one of them was used in a federal indictment in, uh, in California. So the two are now um, charged with one count of conspiracy to, compi- co- excuse me, to commit computer fraud and abuse. And um, I guess the investigation is ongoing. And there's a lot more about this, but very interesting how they do this stuff. And I wanted to uh, bring back our guest, uh, Matt Malone, director of cybersecurity at Vistrata, because he knows all about this stuff. And what exactly is a spear phishing campaign? So a spear phishing campaign is really a, an attack that's very targeted towards the person. So you've, you've gained information. So let's say, let's just go back to that QR piece, right? So someone, someone grabs some information, they start sharing their information uh, online and and now you can can work. It's it's more of j- than just a spam email, right? This thing is very targeted. So I actually do a lot of work with the Department of Defense. We are actually one of the companies that have been selected to kind of help to secure the Department of Defense, what they call DC three or or uh, uh, Department Department of Industrial Base uh, supply chain, right? So we've been kind of helping organizations within that supply chain. And they're they're being targeted on a crazy amount. So spear phishing is is getting in with specific details and maybe taking uh, information that sounds correct, right? It's it's a little more targeted. So so you would take for instance, uh, we had one company that had uh, a website that let's say it was testassociates.com, and they they created an email domain called testassociate.com. So they just dropped the S. That's all they did. But they were able to use a business email compromise, send out information that looked the same. So they took they took a message that the person was communicating back and forth, stole the message, inserted it into this new domain. And now all of a sudden they're communicating back and forth and they think, 
we, we just had this conversation. I'm just replying to an email that was previously sent to me. Right. So that's a, a little more of a sophisticated attack. And again, this is once they get a hold of your data, once they get a hold of a little bit of information, they can they can start to target the the tip of that spear and, and really start to dig into the to the email chain. So they get all of this information and uh, it's like, you know, it's a backdoor entrance into things. What else? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would presume if you're in somebody's email, you have access to like pretty much everything because it's in the computer and a lot of people email a lot of their stuff. But what other avenues do they have? And I guess what other potential threats exist once somebody's in your email? Once they're in your email, I mean, it's everything, right? They can they can go in. So my, my biggest thing is if people want to stop these business email compromises, if people want to stop spear phishing attacks, multi-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication. You, that's the most important thing that you can do to kind of stop this sort of thing. But, and, and that's basically where if, when you log in, it sends you a text to your phone, or maybe you use an authenticator app like Microsoft Authenticator, and you can then authenticate yourself through two methods of, of, of uh, login. Because once they get into your email, and this is dangerous because if your if your authentication your secondary authentication is your email, then that's a problem, right? They can get into your bank. It sends an email to to your or sends a, a request to your email, and then you reply back, and it, it can be dangerous. Folks, we're on with Matt Malone, director of cybersecurity at Vistrada. He's breaking down this latest CBS news story about the Russian hackers that got into our government. And this is not the first time. This stuff happens a couple of times a year. These big. Um, hackings into our system. Uh, We're going to come right back with him and wrap up. You can learn more about the work that he's doing at Vistrada. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We go to the phones, 833-482-5337. Let's go to James in New York City, uh, giving us a call on WFAS. James, you're on with Matt Malone. Go right ahead. Hey, how are you tonight? Good, thanks. What's on your mind? Quickly. So my my question is, how do you identify when you've got a bad QR code, and once you do identify it, what do you do about it? Great question. Thank you, James. Matt Malone? Yeah, so you can you can look at the QR code, and if the link is not the link that you're expecting, then, you know, kind of walk away. The other thing is, is if it asks you to provide sensitive information, so creating an account, things like that, chances are you probably shouldn't do that. But if you do, make sure that you use different passwords for the account that you would normally use, right? So, so use kind of a, if it's a parking meter or something like that, use a, use a separate email, a separate password, that sort of thing. And, right, and always, always, right. always slow down, always slow down when a, uh, when, when it's asking you to do something urgently, slow down because it's probably not a good idea. 
Now, uh, let everybody know how they can uh, keep up to speed with all the work that you're doing, Matt. So you can go to Vistrata.com. Um, we, we are basically, uh, you know, a full service security shop. So we do everything from, like I said, stopping the attack from happening to if something right. happens, we work through the attack. Vistrata.com. Is there a social media account that you could get as well? Uh, we're, we're on Twitter and, and, uh, that sort of thing, but, uh, just, I, I, I think it's Vistrata or, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I was really talking about for yourself, um, but no problem. You could, uh, they could check out the website. Thank you for all the valuable information. I appreciate it. I uh, hope you have a great holiday and thanks for being here. All right. Thanks. You got it. All right, folks, we are going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead in open phone America. Of course, I want to remind you that we have the um, website. If you're not checking out the website, feel free to do so. And if you encounter any trouble with the website, let us know. Somebody told me, I was trying to listen to your show the other day from Rich Valdez, America at night.com, and, and it wouldn't play. So he's, he thought it was because of the device he was using, but I'm always interested in hearing those things, so I appreciate that. Make sure you check out the website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, if you want to check out any of the interviews you may have missed any um, guests that you want to listen to and you can, they're listed by the guest name. So you just go ahead and check it out on there. I think they go back straight to last year or beyond. So you can definitely check out all of that stuff. And if you like it and you want to subscribe then feel free to do that, you can just click subscribe uh, through your podcast app. A lot of people use Google podcasts or a lot of other people use Apple podcasts and there's other podcast apps out there where you can just listen to the recorded version of the show um, <clears throat> absolutely free. And you just click a little check mark there to subscribe to it. And when a new episode is available, it'll tell you, you know, new episode. It's a fantastic invention. I love that stuff. So feel free to do that. And of course, uh, my personal podcast called This Is America with Rich Valdez, that's um, less than an hour, you know, usually a little bit more than a half hour commentary on most of what's going on in the news. We do that. Um, <clears throat> Uh, not at not daily, but as new ones come out, you'll be able to access those as well uh, when you go to your podcast app as well. So, folks, we're going to open up the phone lines if you want to join the conversation. I see there's a few people on hold already. Looking forward to speaking with you guys in uh, New Mexico, in Idaho. I see more coming in, New York. So uh, the phone number again, 833-482-5337, 833-482-5337. Open Phone America is coming up straight uh, ahead we, next hour hour number three straight till 1 a.m don't go anywhere it's me rich valdez and we're coming right back that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night 
with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. This is our number three. We call it Open Phone America, where you get to call in on any topic you'd like, share your stories, thoughts, uh, whatever you got. Excuse me, frog in the throat there. Whatever you got uh, on your mind, happy to discuss it. We've talked about a bunch of things this evening. We talked about, of course, the attack on Americanism in America's schools, classrooms, college campuses. Why are we hating our own country? We did that with Professor Nick Giordano earlier. Then we had a conversation with Doug Burns, former federal prosecutor, about the nine-count indictment uh, against Hunter Biden, the president's son. And, of course, we talked about cybersecurity. There's a Russian uh, hacking group that's attacked our federal government and the Federal Trade Commission says, be careful when you go and scan a QR code at a restaurant or anywhere else. You might be getting hacked yourself or they steal your identity. So lots to discuss, plus whatever you have on the agenda. Again, that phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. I want to start off with this Hunter Biden stuff because there was a couple of clips I didn't get to before. And Catherine Herridge from CBS News, she um, was giving some analysis to John Dickerson in a, a segment on, on CBS News yesterday discussing the potentiality for charges related to FARA, F-A-R-A, the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Check this out. Now, you mentioned there could be more charges. What makes you think that? It's just my reading of of the document in in the first page. I think the language is uh, that they describe him as a lobbyist. Lobbyists have to register under what's called FARA, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which is a, a government way of saying that if you're working on behalf of foreign interests, you have to tell the U.S. government. In this case, the indictment spends a lot of time talking about Hunter Biden's business deals with the Ukraine energy firm Burisma. It also talks about his work with a Chinese energy firm, CEFC, and it also talks about his work with Romania. And that, to me, seems to leave the door open to potential fear of violations. I also would add that there has been some reporting subpoenas have been issued for his uh, his business partner, the president's uh, brother, James Biden. And that would go to the idea of a fair, you know, working together, yeah. lobbying on behalf of foreign interests. Now, we say all of that, but their position has been that they he he accepts responsibility for this this period in his life, but they've in no way admitted that they have been lobbying on behalf of those entities. So that's Catherine Herridge again saying that uh, she believes that there are FARA violations that may come down the pipe. I'm not sure if there are or there aren't. Uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say there probably are. Although when Paul Manafort was um, charged with a FARA violation, they put him in jail. So uh, and, and again, it was unheard of at the time to put somebody in jail for something like that. But Hunter Biden, he um, he's he's been skating by on a lot of things. And earlier he said that the Republican Party is just going after him to try and destroy his father's presidency. That's not about him. Well, he also went on to say that a lot of this is just Russian disinformation against him and that Elon Musk and others are just trying to 
to uh, throw him under the bus. He said this on the Moby podcast with Lindy Hicks. Check this out. This whole idea that this this may not in every aspect be a Russian disinformation campaign, but it has literally every earmark <laughs> of what the Russians did. Yeah. There's um, what's it called? It's called um, eliminationist rhetoric. Eliminationist rhetoric was something that the Nazis came up with as a as a tool to to undermine uh, their political rivals. And then Putin has fine tuned it. And what Putin did when he was coming to power in the early 2000s was there were still some real significant voices of some and some with real money and intellectual public standing inside of Russia or living as expatriates that were speaking out against Putin. So what did he do? He didn't argue with them on the merits. He didn't argue with them about economic policy and democracy and the freedom to vote because he knew he'd lose that argument. So what did he do? He labeled them pedophiles. He planted child pornography on their laptops and their computers. And so maybe only 10 percent of the people then in the public would believe this. But then when he would turn around after he got 10, 15, 20 percent of the people believe in the worst thing you can possibly think about a human being. And then when he turns around and said, and also he's a money launderer and he is against the Russian people. It's a lot easier for them to believe that. Oh, there you go. Hunter Biden saying he's uh, innocent, innocent, innocent. Everybody blames the Russians. For Trump, it was the Russians. For Hunter, it's the Russians. The Russians are up to everything. And, of course, we just heard that the Russians, uh, again, the government is claiming that the, hush, the Russians just hacked the, um, the um, intelligence agencies. It, it just crazy stuff here. I don't know what's going on with the Russians. I do know what's going on with um, Hunter Biden. And so does Jim in Las Cruces, New Mexico on KOBE. Jim knows so much that he's written a poem about Hunter. Jim, go right ahead. Does Barack want Joe to drop out? Is that why Hunter is suddenly being thrown under the bus? Is Obama pulling rank and tugging on some DOJ strings? Is that the reason for all this fuss? That's a great limerick. You always do such a great job with those, Jim. Thank you for your call, my brother. I appreciate it. And, folks, we're going to get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. The number, again, 833-4825-337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America, welcome back. We continue with your uh, conversations, your comments, your thoughts. And um, I'm looking at a story here, just interesting, very interestingly. Um, California retailers that refuse the gender neutral toy sections uh, proposed by this um, 
by the um, government are going to be fined up to 500 bucks under a new law. The terms of the legislation that Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law back in 2021, um, California-based department stores with 500 or more employees that sell child care items or toys must have a gender-neutral section regardless of whether they have been traditionally marketed for either boys or girls. Imagine that, right? So if you own, you know, uh, I don't know, Girls Are Us Clothing, Inc., and and you have um, any child care items or toys uh, as, a, as an accessory or something like that, you're going to have to have a gender-neutral section, even though you, you are catering to just boys or just girls. Fascinating. Talk about the, the long arm of the law. This is the, the iron the iron fist inside of the the glove of government this is uh, just so wrong so anti-american it's kind of like what we're seeing in colleges uh, across the country where people are just you know going to college and coming back and hating america anyway let's go to rob he's in sandpoint ohio excuse me idaho sandpoint idaho kspt rob welcome you're on with rich valdez go right ahead Hi, Rich. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks. So I just started listening. I just began listening to your show. I haven't had TV or news or anything for 45 years. And um, so I'm just getting lost in all the news and everything. I don't miss TV. Were you in jail? Pardon me? Were you in jail for 45 years? No. Never been to jail. Good. I was kidding. (laughs) So you just haven't been consuming much news. Well, I've been self-employed for 45 years as a carpenter, finished carpenter and a cabinet maker. And um, I just never, you know, I, I worked most of the time. And so right. I'd relax with a movie or something at night, but through a video or DVD and now YouTube and stuff. So, right. Um, that's fantastic. I mean, that really sounds got... like a vacation, right? <laughs> it sounds terrific. Living well, life you know, without the news. I've always felt a job. You should enjoy a job. It should be you go to play. You don't go to work. Yeah. Yeah. I I like the news. So I I like my job, but I do realize it's a ton of news and it's very emotionally charged. And most people get so frustrated after watching the news. Matter of fact, we did a story on this program where uh, like psychologists were recommending if you're very highly stressed, stop watching the news. Isn't that crazy? I bet. I I bet. I can imagine. There's never any good news. Rarely. And, and yep. now with the liberalism taking over the United States, I mean, it's getting worse on a daily basis. So. So anyways, now that I'm yep. listening to the news and everything, all these different subjects are coming up. You know, he said, so Rich would talk about anything to you. So you're talking about the schools tonight. Yeah, of course. You're, and you just mentioned something about a new California law that they're going to start finding people if they didn't have a. Um, a Gender-neutral section in their store. I mean, what is next? I came from California. I moved huh. here 31 years ago, but I'm not from California. And, uh. um, I mean, it's, California is such a messed-up place now. It's really unbelievable. And the weather's so good there and everything, especially in Southern California. I mean, I'd love to be there because I'm tired of snow. Yeah, I bet. You know, it's funny. Everybody I know that's in um, Idaho came from California as well. We're not. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it seems like a lot of a lot of people have. I mean, Sandpoint, Idaho. Idaho, period, used to be a very conservative state, but Sandpoint has become liberal. 
It, I mean, it's mm. sick. On my street, there's probably 40 houses, and um, I think there's three conservative people on the whole street. Of course, they're right on my corner. And, uh, Rob, what are your thoughts on what's happening in schools? Well, so that's a big issue to me because, I mean, I, I graduated from high school in 1974 in Southern California, and I struggled to get keep a B average, and I actually graduated. I got out a year early. Um, but my graduation graduating class was 1974 and how they're dumbing down students and they're trying to erase American history. It's just, it's kind of a sick thought. You know, Hmm. I really enjoyed history when I was in school, even though I, I did art most of my school years. And, um, um, but I, I, I enjoyed history and sciences and things like that. My son at 40 years old, he just graduated from, UW or WU, Washington University, with a degree in applied applied physics and astronomy, which are two of the hardest science degrees. And I mean, I'm proud of him. He had a 3.8 grade point average. And I said, so somebody said to me, why he didn't have a 4.0? I said, yeah, you know, maybe in psychology or art, he could easily get a 4.0. I said, but he went through two of the hardest um, science degrees that you can get. It's Einstein stuff. And, um, you know, so I'm proud of him, and he's, he just got offered a job on the um, big island of Hawaii at the big observatory up there, which is great. The pay isn't great, but, I mean, it's towards what he wants to do. Yeah. And he went to college for – he went to college all through the Army. He was in the Army for 15 years, and he finally quit. Was his college experience filled with uh, what we're finding today, where people are woke and going crazy with the uh, hating of America? So, so being in Washington, going to school in Washington for the last three years, you know, in Washington University, he said, you know, I didn't even know what woke meant. And um, they should change to wake and make it awake, you know. And um, Yeah, well, that's a I good point. I got to run, Rob. Thank you for the call so I could squeeze somebody else in before the break. I appreciate you listening. Uh, after uh, 45 years of no news, I'm glad that you've chosen us to, to have a conversation with us and to stay up to speed with what's happening in America at night. So thank you for that. And I want to continue. Let's go to John Vero Beach, Florida, WTTB. John, go right ahead. Yes, it's always a pleasure, Jim. I so enjoy your I'm rich, but thank you for the compliment. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, Rich, um, uh, my friend was Cabeza uh, Singh Palo. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I'm thinking that overall, the underpinnings of a lot of this stuff that's going on started with the sanctuary this and sanctuary that was establishing small colonies, Marxist colonies, wherever they could, to uh, to start this program of uh, controlling our our speech, controlling our thoughts, manipulation. Right. And it seems like they're trying to codify it, right? Because people are always going to try to convince you of their opinion of what they've got in mind for any particular idea, but not necessarily uh, force it on you. But um, it seems that's exactly what's happening now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very sanctuary this, sanctuary that. And, and uh, the unfortunate part is we're really paying the price. I, I just shared a story uh, on my Instagram story of um, a video of, I don't know, look like 50 or 75 men. Um, it seems like all the um, asylum seekers that are coming to the United States now 
they're pretty much almost all exclusively men, at least in the videos that I'm getting. There might be women and children and others, but I used to see these caravans of people, women, children all over the place. Now it just seems like uh, men, more men, more men. They're all young, uh, as if there was like a huge construction project or a huge military project or something where you need all of these young men that are, and none of them are fat either. They're all in, in very good shape, and uh, they seem pretty clean cut too. Uh, very just very interesting to see what's happening here. To me, it seems like it's a lot more than voting. Uh, I used to write that stuff off and think, nah, that's conspiracy stuff. You guys are nuts. I don't think I think that way anymore. I think uh, there, there's something is afoot where we are importing a lot of people into our country. And uh, for what purpose? I don't know the answer to that yet. Uh, and these sanctuary cities that you're talking about, John, uh, are part of the problem. And it's it's uh, it's a very sad time in our history. But thank you, John. I appreciate it. I'll be in your neck of the woods tomorrow, uh, about an hour away. I'm flying to Palm Beach tomorrow. And uh, big shout-out to everybody in Vero Beach at WTTB. John, thanks for the call. And we will continue with the rest of your calls uh, straight ahead. Uh, we've got calls from, let's see, another call from Idaho, uh, Delaware, New York. Uh, this is a good one. They're listening in Phoenix on KFNX, uh, but they're in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, that's a good, um, that's a really good connection there. And of course, you've got um, Indiana on the line as well as more that are coming in right now, going through our screener. Uh, the great Tom Delac, who I like to call Count Delacula. So we're coming back to you guys momentarily. Um, let me see. Let me see what I do. It's too not enough time to take a call, and uh, I don't want to cut anybody off abruptly. So. I will uh, I'll give you a musing, and here's my musing. Going to the beach, and it's going to be cloudy and rainy all weekend. Isn't that something? <laughs> I'm going for an event, and I stayed an extra day just to enjoy Sunday, right? The event is tomorrow. But then uh, I said, all right, instead of going home on Sunday morning, I'll go home on Monday morning. So I have an extra day on the beach, uh, an extra day in the hotel. Beautiful. And uh, I checked the weather today, and lo and behold, they said it's going to be 70-something or 80 degrees cloudy and showers how do you get a tan how do i keep this brown tan if if uh, you go to the beach and it's raining hopefully it's that kind of florida thing where it only rains for a little bit and then you can still get some sun anyway folks we're coming right back don't go anywhere i am rich valdez you for everything i know you very well and i have i listen but i have a lot of people that listen and they love your show and i appreciate it very much america at night with rich valdez call now 833-4-VALDEZ that's 833-482-5337 833-4-VALDEZ that's valdez with an s all right, America, welcome back. And somebody tried to set fire to the home of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, they were interrupted. It was a woman, I believe, right? Is that right? Control room? It was a woman, right? And yeah, and it, um, I, I think we're allowed to call them women still. But 
crazy what, what people do. I, I don't even know the impetus behind it. I'll, I'll get into that a little bit. I'll check out the story and come back to you. But I wanted to continue with your calls because I know there's a lot of people with really good opinions out there today. And um, let me see here. Where did I want to go? I wanted to go to Jane. She's in Saratoga, New York, where they make the best water ever. They have the best water in Saratoga, New York. WGDJ. Jane, go right ahead. Oh, I hire it. Hey. <laughs> do, do they have the best water? Okay. Um, first of all, what they're doing to our children is an outrage. And um, and I have, in the last few years, I have stayed away from TV and computers since my husband passed away. And bless his heart, when I had a computer and he would work with me, and halfway through helping me with things, usually he would say, uh, sweetie, I, I think we need to go take a walk. And um, while he was in the hospital, um, he was lying there one day, and um, I, I have no savvy about computers. And he took my hand, and he kissed it, and he said, sweetheart, promise me something. He said, what? when I'm gone, please stay away from technology. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I will do that. I just don't get I'm a I'm a good psychologist, but I'll tell you what, I don't miss computers. And when I heard that gentleman talking about all of that. About the QR codes? Yes. I, Isn't that crazy? I think you have to re, you have to really be very savvy before you're willing to take that on and know what you're doing. And uh so. Yeah, I think you're right, Jane, and I appreciate the call. Good to hear your voice. And, yeah, they, they bottle the Saratoga water from, I think there's a spring in Saratoga, New York, that they bottle it. They put it in these beautiful blue indigo bottles. And some of the nicer restaurants you go to, they'll either have, like, um, Saratoga or uh, I would say the um, equivalent or maybe uh, somewhat, um, I mean, it's just as good, but I think it's a little bit less expensive. It's called Aquapana. Um, which comes like a clear bottle with orange lettering. But the Saratoga is fantastic. Jane in Saratoga, New York, WGDJ. And I want to continue. Let's go to Jim, who's listening on KFNX in Phoenix, Arizona, but he's in Kansas City, Missouri. Go right ahead, Jim. Richie, Richie Valdez with an S. How are you? Yes, sir. I'm doing fantastic. Thank God. I'm glad to hear that. Likewise. So, um, Okay, look, you said we could go off on our own little topic. I'm going to be very brief here, but I just want to encourage everybody, if they can, to get off of all substances, alcohol, uh, nicotine, marijuana, uh, and anything, because it, you might think it's not hurting you, but even the smallest amount of, the, of those kind of drugs can just, I mean, the hu human people are capable of so much. Yeah. But well, let me ask you, what, what, what inspired this for you? Well, I wish that I hadn't, I, when I started drinking and using when I was 11 and I drank until I was 25 and I think I just really would have had a lot better. My life since I got sober is a lot better, but I think it would be just light years better than it is if I hadn't never done that in the beginning. Um, I drank, you know, just, but I mean, there's, are, I think human beings are just very, very fine-tuned things, and we have, our potential is just a, a monstrous. But it doesn't take very much of something to screw up your mind that will just uh, kind of dampen it down. So, and, it, and it, it's cumulative, and it lasts a lot longer than just the the time that the substance is in your body, because your your mind is 
Anyway, it's just no. I, the reason I ask is because you know my doctor a couple of months back, he recommended that I, I walk or that, like a couple of years ago. He said, "Oh, you got to go walking," and he said, "Hey, are you going walking?" I said, "No, I don't go walking anywhere." And he said, "Well, now I'm stepping it up." He said, "You need to go to the gym. It's like do 30 minutes of cardio, treadmill, bike, whatever, but step it up beyond walking." And uh, I said, "Oh wow, okay." Um, he said, "You know, at least a couple of times a week." Um, so I've been trying that. I go twice, maybe a third time if I'm really lucky. Um, and he said it was, you know, good for high blood pressure, good for all sorts of things. And he said, um, he said, and if you don't go, he said, you know, I just read this study out of Italy and I had just talked about it on the radio, which was funny. Uh, but the study that came out of Italy where they said the Italians, despite them um, also being overweight like Americans because of the amount of pasta they eat and whatnot, have a way lower blood pressure than Americans do. And uh, the study attributed the lower blood pressure to their consumption of, of wine, in particular red wine, um, with their meals. And he said, you know, you should, um, you know, check it out. He's like, you can always go to wine. If, you know, if you don't make it to the gym, you can have wine. And I said, really? And he's like, yeah. So I, I started, uh, it was this year, this year, 2023, I started drinking a glass of wine per day. And uh, I love it. It's fantastic. It's like, uh, you know, it's like uh, 15 minutes of, of a lot of fun. But what I um, I recently stopped just because I was like, ah, I'm stopped because I read something else that said that, you know, because we're not in Italy and we're in the United States, there's a lot of um, added sulfates to the wine, which ultimately can um, be I forget the word they use, but it could be a contributor to a lack of oxygen in your brain which could be a stroke uh, or lead to a stroke or could lead to um, Alzheimer's, dementia, that type of thing. So I thought to myself, okay, well, I don't want that stuff. My dad died of a stroke. And um, so I, I've stopped um, drinking my glass of red wine a day, which truth be told, sometimes becomes two, you know, when it's, uh, when, when, when you're extra thirsty. But um, I, I'm enjoying the, the wine-free days, just like I was enjoying the wine, uh, the wine-o days, if you will. And and uh, and that was why I was asking you if, you know, if, if why you, your recommendation is that everybody just stop doing everything. I also stopped eating um, pork for a while and I uh, got off of red meat for a little bit, only doing chicken and fish. But that gets boring really, really fast. And I, I always crave a good steak. So, Jim, that was uh, my reason for asking. And kudos to you for for, you know, staying clean and doing what you do and eating the right way. Am I still here? Of course. Oh, that's amazing. I just thought, maybe, okay, well, uh, so I'm not going to say, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think for what I find, it's been 30, over 35 years. What I find is that just the, your, your mind will get sharper and sharper and sharper, but you know, there's just, there's things that you'll, you'll, you'll think of. I mean, you just have to contemplate. It just, I just think the substances take away the, your, your mind is really capable of, of infinite, just, just amazing things. I agree with you, Jim. I think the mind is an incredibly powerful thing. And, uh, lately I've been on this path of, uh, self-discovery and kind of retraining my mind to manage my short temper and things like that. You know, I enjoy my time on the radio, but I don't always enjoy my time behind the wheel of a car, right? <laughs> I tend to lose it quick. And, uh, and I was like, you know why I have to adjust my, my perspective here and, and work on my short fuse and I've been studying a lot about the mind. And I tell you, every day I find new and interesting ways of how fascinating the human brain really is. Jim in Kansas City, Missouri, listening on KFNX in Phoenix. Thank you for the call, sir. We continue with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. 
This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Rich Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to him. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. We continue with your calls from across America. And um, Hunter Biden's been indicted again on nine counts. And uh, I, I don't think anything's going to happen. Anyway, uh, what do you guys think about that? Let me uh, hear from Doc Wilmington, Delaware. Go right ahead. Yes, Rich. Thanks. Thanks to you and Mr. Tom, your producer. Call screen for taking my call. Both you guys are fantastic. Thank you. Um, here's what I think is going to happen with Hunter. Absolutely nothing because this is an intelligence matter. Hear me out why. Um, I'm a conspiracist, as you know, to a degree, but not totally. I don't think there are conspiracies everywhere. I just think they exist in certain ways and can be proved. Right. Uh, on the board of Burisma is a man named W. Kofer, C-O-F-E-R, Black, B-L-A-C-K. Interesting man. Career CIA officer under George W. Bush, the second Bush. He was head of he was a counterterrorism czar. So Burisma is not a totally Ukrainian construct. There are, there are foreign operatives on the board, including American operatives, okay? That's why I think that Hunter's going to skate. I think what Hunter's into could be money laundering for intelligence agencies, either ours or theirs. And I think they're going to let him skate. Um, yeah, I, I, that's my opinion. Well, well what's the you, sir? I, I think you're 100% right, Doc. I, I don't, I'm maybe not the same rationale as yours, but for me, it just doesn't make any... Um, I, it does, I don't see a, a world where we had... A bunch of intel people, federal law enforcement, um, forge a, a warrant and misuse the FISA court to spy on candidate. Then President Trump spied on him straight throughout, tried to impeach him, got the impeachment, didn't get the removal. I mean, it, such a concerted effort to get rid of him, all while saying, no, 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 he's bad, he's bad, he's bad, he's a Russian agent. That happened in America Two people were arrested, ultimately not convicted. And uh, I think Kevin Kleinsmith, the attorney that forged one of the uh, emails, um, I think he also got a slap on the wrist. He might have been convicted of something. But again, he's not in jail today. So if all of that can happen to a sitting U.S. president, Hunter Biden not paying taxes and buying a gun while he had a drug problem, that's never going to stick. That's just the way I look at it. I, I don't I just don't see a world where they say, you know, we're going to get Hunter Biden on this. It's, it's impossible. I just don't see it working. I don't see it happening. I don't see how it could happen there. There is not a um, a serious. I don't feel like our federal law enforcement, 
our federal government in general is not very serious, right? It's it's very political. It's been politicized and it, it's it exists for political purposes. That's it. It's for power. They get their power, they get their money, they cut their deals, and everybody's jockeying for the same power so they could cut their own deals. And, and it's like one big cash cow. And everybody's trying to cash out on and cash in on this cash cow before cash is useless and 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 not valuable. And that's the race to the to the top that they've got going on. So I agree with you, whether he's um, doing it with the intelligence agencies, whether he's just shaking down people all over the world because he wants to have a good lifestyle. Listen, I'd like to have a good lifestyle, too. I saw a report uh, in four years. Hunter Biden spent eight hundred seventy two thousand dollars on prostitutes and cocaine. I I think that was it or or other drugs. Eight hundred seventy two thousand dollars over four years. Um. Man, let me tell you, I'd love to have $872,000 that I could just uh, spend frivolously for four years. Um, what an amazing allowance that is, right? That's a great uh, vacation budget. And obviously, I would invest it in other things. But my point is, that's the life that he lived. A lot of people would like a, a life of, of excess like that. I'm sure there's some that wouldn't want that. But think of all the nice trips he could take. So ultimately, Doc, I think nothing happens to Hunter Biden. The only thing that, that I think we might see is maybe Biden bails out and he's not, you know, the president. That that I really can see happening. I just don't know if he does it before or after. I think if he doesn't leave before the election, then he may not win. And I think a lot of people are seeing that and they're saying, you know what? We don't want to take that risk of having Donald Trump back. So they're coming up with all these stories. So we're going to see how it plays out. And, um, of course, thanks for the call, Doc. Wilmington, Delaware, W-D-E-L. Joe Biden's neighbor, figuratively. And uh, coming right back with your calls and more straight ahead, don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. I know that whatever sentence the court imposes will not bring your loved one back or cure the mental anguish or lifelong physical scars that some of you have. But I hope that this sentence does allow you to close one chapter in your life. I am a really bad person. I have done terrible things that no one should ever do. I have lied, been not trustworthy. I've hurt many people and that's what I've done. All right. That is Ethan uh, Crumbly, the um, the shooter uh, in the Michigan school shooter who was sentenced today to life in prison without parole. Listen to the judge. Oh, we played the judge. I thought we were playing the judge first. OK, <laughs> I'm I missed that one. All right. So you heard the judge and you heard about this guy saying that he's a bad guy. I thought there was another judge cut. Um, anyway. 
bottom line here is this guy got life in prison. Uh, he did it when he was 17. That's kind of how it goes down. And this is where we are. I want to know your thoughts before we wrap this thing up. Let's go to Sarah, Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Go right ahead. Well, I think a national divorce is in order. Um, these people are not content to um, let us have our beliefs or our way of life. They're going to force their horrible ideas down our throats. And uh, it's kind of like the mark of the beast. In order to buy, sell, or trade, you will have to pledge allegiance, even if it's in a passive form. By all your businesses you have to deal with, we'll have stuff like gender neutral, wokeism, all these horrible ideas. And we'll be forced to accept it just to function in society. And they're not going to let us alone. We've got to split and get away from them. So you have a good weekend. Thank you. I appreciate that, and I agree with you. Whether it's uh, the craziness that we have in gender neutrality uh, or the craziness of anti-Americanism that comes from college classrooms and other classrooms, uh, at some point, Americans everywhere have to just say, hey, you know what, I'm not into this stuff. Does it happen? I don't know. Uh, is there are, are there enough people listening to programs like this one and so many others that are trying to kind of illuminate the idea that, you know, it, it, we get a lot, we do a lot better when we are in concert loving our nation, right? <clears throat> you know, it's, it's like loving your neighbor. How about just loving where you live? This way... Uh, and again, I get some people don't love it. They're like, I live in New York. I don't like Eric Adams. I hate Gavin Newsom. Okay, get it. Ultimately, we can't be perpetually apoplectic, right? And that's something I'm just learning now because I spent many years very angry and very combative on the radio with callers, callers that had a, uh, you know, I wasn't this calm always. And um, I, I'm realizing that you get a lot more done when you're not so hot and you can find that place where um, you get to to that ground zero with somebody and you can have a conversation. It doesn't work every time. There are going to be people that just absolutely hate your guts for believing what you believe. They'll hate you for your religious views. They'll hate you for your political views. But that's not everybody because I, I exist in this blue world that I live in. I live in New Jersey, and uh, it's very blue here. Most people don't agree with me, and I'm able to exist, and it's, it's nothing unique to me. It's It's... Uh, a matter of perspective, right? It's all about changing the way we see things. You can still effectively argue, I think, your case without insulting everybody along the way. If there's anything you ever learned from me, learn that. All right, folks, until the next time, hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez. Take care, good night, and God bless America. See you Monday. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.